everyone. This is Catherine. Welcome to Friendly Anarchism. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Jam Carico. I am a journalist and uh, community organizer. I'm a parent of two. Um, gender non-conforming. Uh, I'm a uh, part of the Ballot Face mm -hmm. Veterans Against the War. I've done labor organizing and mm -hmm. um, I'm an anarchist. And I'm running for U.S. Senate, uh, which is sounds like an oxymoron, but maybe we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Want to? Um, it sounds like you've done a lot of cool stuff. We could talk about. Want to just jump into the the weird one? Sure. Sure. <laughs> okay, cool. So, so why why are you running for Senate? Um, because I think that uh, the ideas aren't out there on a, a level that um, yet that uh, could potentially penetrate the current thought patterns of uh, a lot of people who are looking for something else. Um, uh, I don't think that state power is something that I want to achieve. All I want to do is be able to uh, use this as a platform to talk about leveraging our opinion, uh, uh, the critique of authority, right? So we have the Democrats who will critique capitalism and you have the Republicans who will critique the state. But um, what we really want to do, of course, is to make it to where people, um, the only thing on authority is that it gives back more than it takes. Um, and otherwise, it's not, it's not legitimate, it's arbitrary. And we can talk about ideas about getting resources back into the hands of the community and uh, labor control back into the hands of the workers. And uh, basically, uh, to uh, talk about other ideas that may be able to dismantle these uh, arbitrary hierarchies um, in various different ways um, and get the autonomous communities capable of defense that are sustainable and networked amongst itself. The idea of using um, a electoral campaign as a way to get a platform, I think, is pretty common. I've heard of that before, especially do you, I mean, do you think you actually have any chance of winning or is it more just about having a bigger way to reach more people or a more accessible way to reach people, do you think? Sure. Um, I think it's definitely about a bigger way to reach people, get people networked, get um, more people involved in direct action. Uh, do I think I have a chance of winning? I, there's a lot of people who don't vote because there's nobody who speaks for them. And it's, we're talking about 72% of Americans having less than $1,000 in the bank. Mm -hmm. um, and we're talking about unified class interest. Um, you know, maybe um, the, uh, you know, about, uh, I'm running against somebody who's openly male fascist. I'm running against Democrats who are, you know, ineffective at anything. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so people want different. Um, so uh, maybe, I don't know, you know, um, but, the, but the goal is really, you know, to yeah, get those ideas out there. Uh, to push the envelope, to push the little bit further left, to push the dialogue further left, mm -hmm. um, to establish direct action teams in a, in a systematic sort of regiment that we can actually start filling in those gaps um, using community organizers who are already on the ground doing the work and just networking them on a more, not official, but systematic, if you will, mm -hmm. um, structure. Um, we're going to, you know, um, what we're calling it is an electoral direct action senatorial infiltration campaign. Ah. We are calling for a, 
so we are calling for revolution in the sense that, like, we believe that this is not going to be enough. When 99% of campaign contributions come from 1% of the population, no reform is ever going to be adequate to, uh, to get uh, democracy outside the ballot box and back into the hands of the workers. Right. Um, that will require a revolution. Um, but if we did win, we could we could at least put we could make maybe we could maybe make the position of senator either obsolete or create a system in which no senator could take back the gains made by the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm not gonna you know when I first when I first got asked to run, uh, I would have said no, there's no way. But after having talked to so many people um, who voted for so many different, you know, voted a lot of different ways and actually having positive conversations with people, um, you know, uh, um, CNN embedded with us for this campaign. So there's a lot of weird stuff that's happened. I, I ended up going to a UN um, uh, banquet dinner. What? Stuff I never would have thought I could have ever happened a year ago, six months ago, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. <laughs> uh-huh. as it started happening. So, uh, you know, I... I never said never, you know what I'm saying? But if I did, I would want to put that legislative yeah. power into the hands of the community, into the hands of those directly affected. Yeah. Uh, I would basically want to step back and then put people who have more experience the problems that they're facing well, into th- positions of power. I think it's really kind of exciting to hear that you're getting a- through this campaign, even if it, even if you didn't win, you're getting access to places like, to, to CNN and to the UN and all these things in a place where, like, you probably aren't going to hear these sort of, like, radical leftist, like, anarchist voices, generally speaking. And that is something that I think we need more of. Like, we need to be working on normalizing and, like, getting our voices and our own story out there. So I had, you know, when I said um, creating a bigger platform, I kind of just thought, like, you know, speeches or whatever, I hadn't really considered the fact that just being in that position actually gets you access to all these other sorts of things. That's really interesting. The networks, yeah, that have been, uh, that, uh, I mean, I've already been involved in community organizing. I wouldn't even say that my syndrome is what got me into that UN uh, banquet. It, uh, but my, my organizing for the last seven years and just having conversations with people that, like, that were meaningful, you know, that were, like, moments that were, uh, for instance, uh, the reason I got invited to the JTSA conference, the convention, I, I think I was the only person there who didn't either have a degree or wasn't a civil rights leader from like the, you know, I mean, like, or something of that nature. It was, it was really weird, to be honest. Um, it was very strange for me. I wore a tank top to, to um, dinner on panel discussion, um, which was, uh, I'm not sure that was a dress code at all, because it didn't <laughs> seem like it. it was a wonderful honor. I mean, it was an honor to be there, let me say that. But also, I felt a little out of place. You know what I mean? To, 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 I mean, man, I don't mean that. I, mean, I don't mean any sort of um, negative thing to to the group. I mean, they're all wonderful people. It's just you know, I did. I definitely felt like the odd person out a little bit. Um, uh, I felt I felt very over, you know, um, starstruck, if you will, um, by the by the uh, amount of history and, and and amazingness. And I felt like. Why am I here? You know, at the same time, and I hadn't even, start, I hadn't even, I hadn't even started running for Senate whenever I was asked to come. I was just part of an about face, better against the war convention, and I, uh, I, um, I happened to say, "I'll show my leg poom to a Muslim uh, lady who was working there, and she saw my hat and it said Antifa on it, and she uh, asked me, um, she's like, are you Antifa?' And I was like, well, I don't know how to answer this question because you know, it's, some people are liberal, some people, you know, don't have necessarily the same." Uh, beliefs or don't necessarily, uh, but she, but she was like, 
no, 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 you have friends here. And then she's like, well, let's meet into somebody who had been in Charlottesville. Um, and uh, she was like, hey, this person was uh, was doing tricks with churches. And uh, and then like she's like, she's like, I'm from Iraq. And I was like, you know, I just it was just, it was it was very it was an overwhelming moment because we were talking about you know the genocide and things that happened there. So I started crying or something. And uh, Matt Meyer saw this and he came over and he was like. This is the moment. Like he's just, he's just like this amazing veterans for peace organizer, mm-hmm. and he's been involved in stuff for a long time. Anarchist, amazing person, and um, he asked me if I wanted to speak at this convention that he was helping organize, and uh, that that just and then they had a UN dinner at that, and I went and I talked to people and stuff, and it was really powerful. But um, so I'm not sure if me just uh, you know just deciding to represent it helped me get that specific. Uh, um, place, but uh, the CNN interview certainly was based on that. But also, Daryl had asked Daryl on Jenkins. I'm sorry, but we'll do with projects. I've worked with the last four years. Mm-hmm. They dog shape groups and stuff like that. He had asked me to speak on behalf of Antifa uh, to media liaisons who were calling him, wanting to um, talk to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, you know, I talked to my AG and everything. We figured that you know it's better to have somebody who might be able to articulate. Uh, these ideas rather than just them running up to somebody random on the street and making yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah, totally. I agree. Uh, um, I love that you, so you, is that, I love that you wore an Antifa hat <laughs> to, to that. That's pretty great. I, I agree. Like, I talked to, I actually had um, Daryl Lamont Jenkins on my show a little while ago, and we talked about the need for us to be as Antifa and as anarchists to be talking to the media, and I just... Um, I just did an interview with the Eugene Weekly, and one of the things that my interviewer said was that people interview fascists and give them a platform all the time because fascists love the spotlight and will actually talk to media. And like as media, she was writing this article on Antifa, and she couldn't get anybody to talk to her. So it's like, well, that's a real problem, you know. So it's like, um, I, it, it, I think it's really important what you what you're doing, you know. Well, I think we should learn from the um, Alicia Garza and uh, Opal Tometi and the people who um, organized Black Lives Matter did. I mean, they used the main of the media couldn't not talk about it, you know. Um, and in doing so, they definitely changed the conversation <laughs> that we're having in America about race. Uh-huh. They definitely talked. They changed the conversation about policing. They changed the conversation about white privilege. And it was interesting. Um, Dr. Ruby Sales, who prefers to be called Mama Ruby, apparently. Um, I'm not sure if you know, if you're familiar with um, her work. Uh-uh. Um, but she she said that, you know, uh, she said she she understands why, and she definitely agrees to the concept that white people have privilege. She, said she totally agrees with that, 100%. She understands that, you know. But she says that she had, like, resources and networks and stuff like that. And so she went to a poor white person from, you know, who was just like, and she said, uh, you have privilege. Yes, whenever a police officer approaches her car, all her privilege goes out the window, right? But she doesn't have the material means. She has more material means than some people who are white. And so she she says that she doesn't want to scare somebody away by saying that language. And like she's, her story is that she was the person who was arrested for shoplifting, supposedly, in uh, back in the 60s. And uh, when she was let out, the KK was going to make an example out of her and shoot her. And yeah. then a shotgun pointed at her, yeah. and a minister jumped in front and took the bullet for her. Holy shit. Um, yeah, so she's a powerful, powerful speaker, amazing, um, amazing, amazing person. Um, 
the uh, you know, and I, and I get it. It's like she didn't she doesn't disagree with the concept that you know even poor white people have privilege. You know that, that in some intersectional ways is more than you know. But she also said about language maybe not the best language to use to open up a conversation with a poor white person. You know, <laughs> who doesn't already have that yeah. consciousness? You know. Yeah. How how we talk to people is. Mm, is a difficult question. I think something I've heard a lot about, or we're talking a lot about, you know, with anarchists, um, is our, is how we talk to people and sort of, sort of hostility to media or hostility, like just having an, having an image that we're really hostile and like anarchists I know are all total sweethearts, but sort of like we haven't been able to counter that image of being really difficult and hostile people, you know? So, like, and, like, talking about that verbiage, and, like, it's not untrue, you know? Like, there is a sect, there is sort of a, a cultural norm in some anarchist circles of having this sort of, like, hardcore hostile kind of thing, you know? So it's, like, that's not that it's not true, but it's also, like, it's not the whole truth, and there's lots of, there's lots of people that are very sweet, you know? Sure, I think that, I think that that comes from the fact that, uh, we're always fighting, uh, and, and, and rightly so, the cis supremacist, white supremacist, uh, patriarchal capitalist culture, as Bell Hooks talks about, and a little bit of a paraphrase there. But um, the and so and so in the sense that we're always fighting that, we learn very very well how to fight, and we are you know and we're and we're constantly when we when we, when we make moves, oftentimes the moves that are visualized by the media as being the most, you know, um, spectacular are the ones we do, uh, you know, anti-work in, you know, or anti-fascist, anti, you know. And so um, that's seen a lot. And also, um, we don't practice the, uh, yeah, I've seen this in, in fighting a lot, you know, um, where we don't practice that compassion with each other um, because we've been so good, so very good at fighting, you know. Yeah, yeah, and totally. And so our our skills are just there, you know, and it's not, you know, it's, it's, you know, once we get the skills, we need to level out our skills set a little bit, basically, I think, as a, as a, as a whole, probably. Mm-hmm. Not to say that there's not people who are very, very good at, I would say that some of the best mediators are anarchists, I'd say some of the best, um, some of the most, like you said, some of the sweetest people I know are anarchists, you know, um, but maybe that's, you know, that's, uh, that's just something that I think that, <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with you, Paul, I agree with you. Yeah. What other, so, can you talk about some of the other work you've done as an organizer, since, like, you've been an organizer for a long time? Were you an anarchist that whole time, or was there a moment when you kind of, like, moved over into further left? Yeah, um, so I probably started campaigning, well, I guess what started it was, um, I went to, uh, jail for, like, two weeks for, like, littering and, like, not going to court, basically. Uh, I put a can into my friend's car and it bounced out. And I met this guy named Wise Universe, and he was a member of the Nations of Gods and Earths, right? Five uh, percent. And he explained to me like the history of Islam and the history of, uh, of Africa, and, uh, and and having seen the way my friends were treated by police versus me, you know, uh, and of course having listened to hip hop more than I did my parents, I was like pretty like everything started to click, you know, a little bit, you know. And uh, and from there I uh, ended up getting in trouble a little bit again, uh, just from being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, when I went to court, I'd been hanging out with this recruiter at the mall, um, because I, I just go to the mall to hang out, I guess, when I was about 19. 
and uh, and uh, I ended up going. Uh, I ended up saying I was going to go in the Navy, and uh, I ended up going to the Navy, and uh, I went to the, the on holiday routine. I would go to the Islamic classes because I just wanted to learn more about the, the culture I was going into, you know. And uh, and I started to realize like everything started to click again, and I was like, oh no, we're not going here for freedom, and you know, like we're going here for oil. And uh, I, I just put two and two together and realized that we might be committing a genocide. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, got out, and I ended up engaging in a um, uh, a series of mis- a pattern of misconduct. Um, and uh, was able to get out. And from there, um, I guess I started, um, I was raised fundamentalist, but um, by a pretty um, upper middle class family. And, uh, but I was adopted at a young age. I was living in a car before that. And so I always remember where I came from and saw people who didn't work, who didn't work any less than my parents did, have way less than my parents did. I didn't understand the difference, right? And, uh, and, uh, so I, um, I guess from there, you know, when I had kids, I started like looking into the environment, what it looked like in, you know, several, you know, long times. And, uh, like 100, you know, like 2100 or, you know, when they're adults and stuff. And it's, you know, just, it just, you know, uh, I guess that's what started, like, me getting involved in activism. I, I studied Ron Paul a little bit, um, and he is anti-imperialist stuff. Um, after having campaigned for Obama in 2008, I, I started being, you know, disenfra- dis- you know, disenchanted with what Obama was doing. And mm-hmm. I didn't really have a keen grasp on economics yet. And so when Ron Paul started talking about, you know, anti-war stuff, it seemed like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. And, like, started looking at that. And then soon after that, I started reading Noam Chomsky and kind of like ditched Ron Paul and libertarian stuff. And so that's kind of, you know, uh, Tolstoy, Noam Chomsky, uh, Peter Rollins, um, Emma Goldman uh, started really getting me in Occupy, you know, uh, all started moving me further to uh, back to the left, I guess. But um, I, I had studied anarchism a little bit in high school, but um, didn't really get a grasp on it then, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, um, it was a long journey, but uh, I would say that I pretty much ditched right-wing politics as I understood them um, in high school, but I still didn't have a grasp on economics, so I still kind of, uh, when, when there was anti-state, I didn't understand there was a, di- I was sharing both like anarcho-communist and ANCAP means at the same time, I'm sure confusing everyone at the time, like, <laughs> like 12 years, like, you know, uh, nine years ago or so, uh, before I really got involved. Uh, or, well, I guess, you know, or so, um, uh, um, nine years ago, seven years ago, something like that. And, uh, yeah, so that's been pretty much my uh, journey there, um, basically. You know, what's interesting is I've noticed that a lot of people who are sort of liberal get into anarchism via socialism and, like, sort of, like, finding Marx and stuff. But then I've also noticed doing the theology and, like, from the Christian standpoint stuff, I'm noticing that people are getting into far radical leftist politics via um, ANCAP, via, like, anarchy capitalism, which seems like a really different, interesting route to, sort of, to me, because it seems sort of roundabout to end up at anarchy, but you're not alone in that. So that's, that's because you, you said you grew up fundamentalist, so, like... It's just an interesting, I'm not sure where that, how that tied in. Like, how did you switch over from ANCAP into sort of ANCOM? 
So I think that it's possible that just those, just the, the videos that um, Rob Paul put out that were like anti-war. I don't know if you remember them. They were like if China invaded America, and what you know, and, and everyone was called insurgent. Um, you know, like that, and, and like you know, uh, that appealed to me as somebody who came from like a their Tolstoy kind of um, reading and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I think honestly, it was just realizing that the CEO has more you know control over my life than a senator. Realizing that a boss gives a lot of people more for else orders or else orders than a um, than a cop on a regular basis mm-hmm. made me realize that uh, I need to leverage my critique of authority and not just that, that you can't call something voluntary when it's coercive, you know. Right. And, uh, and and your relationship to capital isn't something that you that you have as much say over by any means as people would like to make it out to be. Um, you know. Yeah. What other What other groups have you worked with? Because so it sounds like a lot of people got radicalized during Occupy, and then after Occupy, kind of like puttered out a little bit. What was the next step for you? So I started organizing this thing called uh, Kids Out of Cages, um, which is like a prison abolition for youth project. Um, and I worked with uh, Anthony Nasia, uh, Save the Kids, and um, we. Uh, we basically, you know, tried to get awareness about youth prisons, private youth prisons, um, uh, solitary confinement of minors, um, and just, you know, and just raise a lot of awareness about that. Um, from there, I started getting involved with IWW a bit, and then uh, you know, I helped organize, and I then uh, got involved with the fifth column where I work, um, which is a radical dissident publication. And uh, I guess um, I, I, uh, we helped organize that workplace, um, and uh, I've been involved with, like I said, one people's project. I've been going to the American Renaissance Conference for years, uh, trying to undermine their ideology at first, and then now this year we had a big contingent, so I was working more anti-fascist organizing at that point. Um, uh, as, as they started to become a bigger threat. Yeah. Do you want to talk uh, about... On more visual aids. Um, Can you explain AMREN a little bit? So American Renaissance is like the alt-right think tank. They have the same lawyer as the KKK and uh, Christian Conservative Coalition. The dude uh, named Sam Dixon, he's uh, he's like a, he's a fascist lawyer, basically. Like from his lawyer, if you will. Um, and... Uh, and so, uh, actually, um, Dylan Roof mentioned the American Renaissance in his uh, manifesto. There, uh, Jared Taylor is the uh, is kind of the lead on that. Um, Richard Spencer's been there. Matthew Heidenbach. Um, yeah, just you know the the who's who of uh, assholes, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so they have a conference every year. Yep. And Dixon, Tennessee, right in my backyard, like two hours away, you know? Uh, and so you said you had a contingent or a group that went to, how do you disrupt <laughs> it? Like, so we had about 150 people, about uh, 20 anti-fascists, about, uh, you know, 130 uh, uh, progressives or non-mass radicals. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so we had Black Block, you know, and uh, basically we... Um, 
would follow them to their cars and film them as they were going to their cars. I mean, just like at a convention center in state parks, you know? And uh, we would, you know, um, you know, try to say things that would undermine their ideology. Um, we would uh, confront them about their ideology, confront them about their ideas. Um, generally just try to make it an unpleasant experience for them so they wouldn't want to come back, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, uh, actually that, that was, uh, this year was a lot different and, uh, ended up being, uh, some pretty, uh, intense stuff happened in there. Um, I'm actually going to court this weekend for something that happened there. No oh, shit. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Essentially, yeah, there was some. There was before that. I was involved with some workers' dignity action and mass line work at um at, uh in Chattanooga area. Um, I was working with uh, uh not workers' dignity, the actual group, but more like Lou Doka from Boston, who was harassing them, uh, their employees. But uh, yeah, I was doing mass line work in Phillips Park around the same time, and uh, I guess some proud boys got word of the stuff that I was doing, and uh, started calling me and sending me threats and stuff like that. And uh, so when I got to Amherst, I, I uh, you know, I had like, like pans, because uh, I didn't have money for body armor, so I had like cooking sheets, like a belt around me and on my back, because of what happened in Anaheim, you know? I Wait, what happened in, say that again? What happened in where? Uh, Anaheim, um, it's like you know, a bunch of uh, anti-fascists got stabbed in Anaheim. Um, when was that? Uh, like last year. Um. Uh, before Trump got elected, actually. Um, I, I, don't, uh, I don't think I heard about that. Got stabbed? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a couple, uh, some anti-fascists got stabbed, yeah. Uh, and some fascists, I think, got stabbed, too. But, like, there was a knife basically. Yeah, so you've got, so you've got cookie sheets, um, wrapped around yeah. you with a belt? <laughs> yeah, up in, in the back of my vest, yeah. So, I mean, I have body armor now, but at that point, I didn't. And I guess I was walking back around from where the anti-fascists were, like, the, 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 usually they would let us inside the convention center, but this year we just had too many people. So uh, the anti-fascists were down behind the convention center, which is also a hotel, which is on, you know, public property, the state park, you know? And um, they were, and all of us were, like, on a bridge, and they were, like, yelling trans-suicide jokes and, like, oh. and uh, just horrible stuff, like, rape jokes and, like, just horrible oh, spitting God. on us and stuff. And I was, my idea was to go around and get the, uh, dresses, you know, and, and make them aware of what was happening, like, bring them to the, uh, bring them to the, to where the anti-fascists were, which is where the black box people were. And, uh, and, and uh, so as I walked around, which is a bad idea, just, you know, going by myself, you know, as I was walking, right, and, uh, came out of this hotel room and, like, charged at me and pushed me several times, and, uh, anyway, long story short, uh, we both ended up getting arrested, uh, and he ended up going to the hospital. Um, and uh, while I was in jail, my uh, uh, apparently my uh, publisher from his column Pope made a T-shirt and a bunch of memes about helicopter rides. And I had no idea why. I mean, I knew I knew the whole why we always talk about helicopter rides, and just talking about Pinochet and everything. But I didn't know why they and like. And uh, when I got out, they were calling me. Uh, they they were calling me helicopter or something. And apparently he had taken a life, uh, he had, had to go be life-flighted to the hospital, apparently. Um, but the reason he got life-flighted was just because there was, a, there was no nearby hospital that could do a uh, CAT scan or something, basically. And, 
and uh, he I beat him in the face because I thought that he had a weapon. Uh, he he breached into his pocket and dropped it at some point. Um, dropped something at some point and he reached down to get it. And anyway, uh, I don't really care. I don't really want to talk too much about it just because I do have court on. Uh, I yeah. don't know when this podcast will be released, but I have court Friday. Um, but after that, David Duke put me on his Twitter, and so when I went to Charlottesville. I've come to find out they were following me around. I didn't know about that until two weeks later, whenever Unicorn Riot sent me some like radio chatter. But um, I got attacked in Charlottesville. Also, um, uh, I was practicing now while I was obedience because I was on bail, um, just doing security for the churches basically, and like wearing a vest, you know, wearing, you know, wearing, and I was doing like live streaming and stuff. And uh, some American Vanguard, um, Identity Europa, and uh, Ram walked around the corner where the church was and so like I was I was just happened to be where Revcom was and so we all like ran down there linked arms uh started chanting at them they started coming around and uh essentially one of them accosted me and punched me in the face and then three of them knocked me down and I was able to kick away and get away but then a bunch of them surrounded me and I like had to like uh turtle up basically mm-hmm. and uh and uh luckily I had body armor on uh, as they started to disperse, uh, I saw that my partner at the time had been like headbutted apparently, and uh, so I went down to go get her because she was past the, the line, you know, uh, the police line. And I asked one of the cops, you know, the most compassionate looking eyed cop, can I go over there as a partner, you know? And as I like walk over the gate, one of the other cops like puts her hand in my throat and like, uh, and I'm like, no, I'm all civil disobedience, no, I'm all civil disobedience, I didn't fight that. But you can see that picture in, like, the Daily Mail uh, of, like, her head, like, busted open and me, like, you know, uh, like, you know, with my hand up, like, you know, in a defensive stance, you know, and the cop's hand on my throat, you know. Um, that was, it was weird in Charlottesville. It's like they didn't even, it's like they didn't even go after anybody, you know. It was, it was so, it was so surreal. Um. But yeah, I mean uh, the so cops. The cops didn't go after anybody, or what do you? Yeah, the cops didn't go after anybody. It was yeah. so surreal. Yeah, I remember seeing reports of all these liberals being just like shocked seeing the cops, and even even radicals being that it was so blatant that they weren't doing anything. Yeah, so blatant. Yeah. I mean, the cops were right there when all that was happening. Um, it was so strange. Um. I. Uh, I mean, and, and you know, ever since ever since I've been to about five actions since then. And they kept us apart. Like, they have not let us near each other, you know? Yeah. They, like, they, like, say fascists have to go to this one gate and, uh, you know, anti-fascists go to this other gate. Now, there have been some people who've gone over the side. Daryl went to the other side, <laughs> like, like, yesterday, apparently, or uh, Saturday. Um, I'm sorry, uh, this weekend, yeah, Saturday. And, uh, and, like, was standing there with the other side. Somebody else got attacked while, he was standing, while they were standing with the other side. Um, uh, uh, we were doing like reconnaissance. Uh, we, we did go around not to where the protesters were, but, um, to where the, uh, we got some good doxes at RAG. Um, seeing it was better with us too. We, um, the only altercation I witnessed was there was a fascist who like came over to the, in Murfreesboro when they canceled it. Mm-hmm. They like got in somebody's face and like literally like nose to nose. And I was like right there. So I just like stood in between them and uh walked them out you know basically um and uh 
but other than that, it was pretty like they had kept they had been keeping us apart, you know, like in Crossville and in uh, in um, DC, uh, the Juggalo March. Um, it was it was the, the they definitely they definitely changed their tactics. Looks like. Yeah, I I'm hearing these stories and. None of this gets to media. You're talking to liberals. Liberals have no idea that protesters and anti-fascists are actually getting violently attacked and hurt. Like, they they think... I feel like it's so naive to think that people whose basic ideology is that huge swaths of the population should be murdered can then just, like, keep it together and be, like, calm and non-violent, you know? <laughs> like, protest situations. Literally, ultraviolence is part of fascist ideology. Right, exactly. And so, but but people are shocked. Like, literally, people have no idea that anti-fascists are actually getting beaten, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it goes back to media, you know, not telling what public opinion is, but um, we're letting what public opinion will be. I remember my dad, who's, you know, like I said, a fundamentalist conservative Christian, um, he, he said, before, after the Ameren incident, before anti-fascism was a household word, uh, he said, oh, you kicked a Nazi, you know? And then, <laughs> and then, uh, then after, you know, after Charlottesville, and Trump got a hold of it, you know, Antifa, um, he, uh, Antifa, whatever he said, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, once he got a hold of it, my dad was like, anti-fascists and Nazis are the same thing, you oh, know? Oh, damn it. Um, because words don't mean anything. Because words have zero meaning these days. Yeah, I, I asked my dad. I was like, "Well, what about Obama and Assad? Do you, how do you compare them? What metric do you think? Do you think do you think Obama's worse than Assad? Do you think Assad's worse than Obama?" And like the first time I ever hear my dad say this, he was like, "Obama was my president." And I was like, "Well, what metric are you going on? Collateral damage? I mean, their collateral damage is, is, is reason for us to go to war with them. Our collateral damage is to buy product of war. Oops. You know, it's like." Well, like, well, well, where's your, where's your, where's your metric? And he just was mad. He was super mad, yeah. you know? So yeah. doesn't ask his question, you know? Um, um, you, um, you worked on the Obama campaign, so did I. It seems like the first, the baby steps into political work for a lot of people was, like, Obama campaign, Occupy, then it kind of moves from there, yeah? Yeah, I mean... It, it's, uh, I mean, like, I, I, Obama was saying the things that I wanted to hear at the time. You know, he was saying the exact, mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was inspirational. It was powerful. He yeah. was a wonderful, wonderful speaker. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the best, you know, the part, part of one of the best orders you ever had in office. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, after having Bush, you know, who could, who would, like, oftentimes stumble through sentences. I mean, he had some articulate stuff he said sometimes, but... A lot of times it wasn't at all, you know, famously. And um, just having, you know, and obviously Dick Cheney was running the show more so. They wouldn't allow him into some of the meetings sometimes, you know. Um, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, the, you know, to have somebody who was a community organizer who had come from, you know, and, the, and then the, uh, the right wing was calling him a communist. And, you know, we, we were hoping that he was far left, you know. Yeah. Um, but but those, of, those, those people who had followed his Senate campaign, who had already had that critical eye probably knew, you know what I mean? From as well, I've heard, you know, uh, people who were already um, were looking things, at things through a radical lens. If they were kicking a Senate campaign, there was already hints that he was going to be a corporatist, you know. Well, um, yeah, I think another 
way to look at it, though, is that he was genuine at one point, but then power itself is corrupting, right? Which is, like, why it's always dangerous to get involved in sort of these, like, hierarchical power structures, because even the best people are not necessarily immune to the corrupting influence of power, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, 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 but I do remember him saying he was a moderate and, like, never claiming to be a radical, you know? So there is a bit of a, you know, uh, I, I definitely agree with you 100%. I definitely agree with you 100%. The power corrupts, you know, and, and this, but if you go in, I mean, like, okay, for instance, the Zapatistas are running a candidate right now. Mm-hmm. Um, There's yeah. a healthcare worker. So, and I mean, the, I mean, you know, the CNT had delegates, you know, who were put, put in positions of, you know, delegation, uh, you know, rotating delegation. So, um, yeah, I guess it depends on how you view your position. Like, you know, if you view your position as one of authority, then you're going to use it in an authoritative way. If you view your position as one of representation and you don't have a critique of authority, then you might end up falling into those traps. If you, you know, but if you come at it from a mindset of how the hell can I make it to where my, my job is obsolete and mm-hmm. I can, like, distribute self-determination and public decision-making to the public, you know, and, and, and make it accessible, uh, that might be a different, you know, that might allow for a different um, outcome and not in, like, uh, not in some sort of huge way, like, in terms of, like, 99% of chemistry reasons come from 1% of the population. It's not going to change the system. We're not going to reform it. Yeah. But it might, you know, make it to where you don't do the horrible things that other candidates do. Yeah, I mean, as... Um... In preparation for this interview, I was looking up the CNT because I know they had in the Spanish Revolution because I did have people that then um, went into work in the government a little bit. Specifically, I was looking at Federica Montsene uh, Manier. I don't really know how to say her name. Uh, cool lady. And she become she was a Spanish anarchist and then she became the Minister of Health. Um, and I was thinking maybe one of the reasons that one of the ways that people who are radicals can stay cool, or I guess, um, or, like, have their heart in the right place is she had a very specific agenda that was, like, for health, you know, like, like, she had, she had goals that were specific instead of the goal sort of being like, I'm gonna be in a position of power and then I can do good things, you know, like, sort of generic, generic good things, like, she had very specific things she wanted to get done and she actually did get a lot done. So, I mean, Federica caught a lot of shit for deciding to enter the popular front government, especially, like, from Emma Goldman, from other big names. Like, are you expecting to have to deal with some backlash from the anarchist community? Sure, sure. And, I mean, and here's the thing. I don't want anybody to vote for me who feels like voting is not something that they are okay with. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, you've got... Uh, my, my Republican opponent has met with far-right fascists you know, from Austria. She said that women don't want equal pay. Um, the, the Democrats are going to be, you know, a, a minus five at best, you know what I'm saying, towards our, our goals, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, uh, the libertarians are, of course, going to be way worse than that. So, you know, uh, comparatively, you know, you know it's, it's, it's still – the choice between somebody who's, you know, radical versus somebody who's not, you know, uh, I guess that would be, I don't want anybody to vote for me who doesn't feel like voting is, is, is ethical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they're not going to vote anyway. Um, well, let's hope <laughs> there's people who don't find, um, don't find, uh, um, you know, 
mean, 15 minutes, you know, in the voting booth. I mean, like, you know, what are you going to do the rest yeah. of the year? Yeah, that's, that's, really. that's sort of how I feel about it. When we talk about diversity of tactics, like, it's not just code for, like, smashing, like, it's not just code for property damage. Like, diversity of tactics for me really does go all the way to voting as well. You know, like, it is a it is part of a tactical response. And But I, I do think that more and more anarchists um, do sort of embrace that and that a lot of the anti-voting and stuff in, is more dogmatic and yeah. we don't like I, dogma generally speaking so like when it makes sense it makes sense you know like i know a lot of people i talked about this in an earlier episode how like lots and lots of anarchists i know are like definitely vote for hillary i hate hillary but i'm gonna vote for her because it's the choice the tactical like the strategic choice at this moment and she's an easier enemy you know and, and, and also, yeah, and, and I'm a, I mean, I'm personally, I, I'm in a red state, so it doesn't matter who I vote for, right? Um, but I vote a Green Party this time just because, you know, I mean, like, I, and I wrote in Black Lives Matter whenever a Republican was running on the post. Like, you know, it, it's, just, it's, just, it's just, you know, I would have voted for Hillary probably holding my nose if I was in a red, if I was in a blue state. You know what I'm saying? No, if I was in a swing state. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but that, but that, yeah, that doesn't. That's just because I'm not an accelerationist, you know. Um, like, you know, I just don't. I, don't uh, I, I knew that this was not, you know, this is definitely didn't want this, you know. Um, and uh, and uh, so, you know, yeah, it, it, it's uh, you know, we, it's tactical, you know, it's tactical. And and, and uh, you know, hopefully, people who who don't feel like either party is working for them and want something different. I think is a lot of people voted for Trump. It was just different. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, you know, and they're like, we want different. And like, okay, whatever different is, then we're going to vote for that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, he's definitely different. Then, <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. Yeah, so they don't have a great, they don't have a great, uh, we don't have a great long memory like uh, Chauncey talked about, you know, um, or, or Utah Phillips or, you know, um, these great anarchists in the past have talked about. We don't have that, uh, you know, we we can, we can barely. I mean, it's okay. So, uh, this is, to use a random pro wrestling reference. Kane could like burn Jr. one week and then go and help John Cena the next week. Everybody's like, "Yay, Kane!" You know, like, <laughs> 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 you know, that's how we, uh, we, uh, you know, um, that's how we process things. I guess yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Federica did get into office, even though a lot of anarchists didn't vote for her. <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> I think a lot of people who don't vote because they see it as ineffective will see this as being something, you know, that might be. I mean, because, uh, I mean, and that's, you know, and then hopefully, you know, some people who, who before would have voted for Trump um, can see that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't actually represent working class because he has no idea what it's like to work class. He's surrounded himself by people who have no idea what it's like to work class. And his entire livelihood is based on exploiting the working class. Mm-hmm. And people just don't. People just don't see the fact that CEOs uh, and, and corporations are little governments, and they run the same way as governments. I mean, yeah. um, with less accountability, <laughs> actually. Um, uh, I mean, that you know, that's that's crime thinks uh, kind of. Uh, you know, they, they said they said don't just vote, right? They have don't just vote campaign. Or yeah, whatever. exactly, exactly. Uh, Totally. I mean, it sounds, I mean, you've got some real street cred, so it's going to be hard for somebody to claim that you're just like a leeching liberal or something. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, if you, I mean, another thing. I mean, I can't run away from my Facebook radicalism. You know, they're gonna bring it up. You know, if yeah. I'm running, they're gonna they're gonna bring it up, and like I don't want to run from that because I mean, like it's all belief. And so it kind of gives me a, and that's a certain level of just knowing that that's already going to be there. You know what I mean? Well, then I'm going to use it. You know, I'm going to use that to just say, you know, brace person shifts, just push it as far as left as possible to call for revolution, to, yeah. to say all the things that we've been saying the entire time, but just on a stage, it's a little bit bigger, you know? Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, I, like, I feel like if you own body armor to fight fash, then people on the far left can't really, like, call you a sellout either. <laughs> Like, like, it's like, that's pretty hardcore. Well, you'd be surprised, I mean, you, uh, I've gotten, I've gotten, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, I've gotten a lot, you know, uh, CNN asked me what it was like to get, like, death threats from the, from the, uh, from, like, neo-Nazis and hate groups, and I was like, you should ask a person of color, they have more experience, but, I mean, it is, it is, it is a little, you know, it is a bit, every time I open my message requests or whatever, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, because, like, I don't know what's going to be, you know, just a time bomb, you know what I mean? Uh. Um, and it's just like, you know, there's going to be a death threat eventually. But the word, the most hurtful part is, 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 is when his comrades, you know, who are saying, you know, something along the lines of, you know, no anti-capitalist, anti-fascist run for office. When that's not even historically true. Yeah. Um, and, and so, it's, so it's just like, you know, that, that kind of stuff does hurt, you know. Um, but I have a whole lot of people who, like, showed me overwhelming response, overwhelming um, uh, um, solidarity, and uh, I definitely want to, like, I mean, I just want to get their voices actually out, and I want to get decision-making back into their hands, get democracy outside the ballot box, yeah. and put it back in people's hands, and unify the working class, because our interests are aligned, and that's, yeah. that's my, uh, that's I mean, my goal, so. Even yeah. if it's not necessarily through electoral politics? Which I'm, I uh, support what you're doing. I think that's great. Um, um, even if it's not electoral politics, I think that the anarchist community in general needs to re-engage with the larger community, and you know, and and I think that a lot of us are. I think lots and lots of anarchists are. But I'm sorry to hear about you having problem with leftists. I've had the, I've had some problems too, with some of the more like, you know, I guess I said dogmatic, which is true. You know, when we're trying at this time to like start opening up and talk to media more and like engage with liberal groups and like engage with um lots of you know it, it requires a certain amount of vulnerability like you said like and it's vulnerability to and it sucks it feels like it is vulnerability to the left and to the right in some ways you know so like um um i appreciate people like you who are you know putting yourself out there knowing that you're going to catch shit so thanks Oh, thank you for what you're doing. I mean, this is this is uh, getting our you know this is getting people's voices out there. Um, talking to people who are you know um, uh, trying to do stuff and you know the stuff that you work on. It's it's really it's really a, you know we're all in this together. You know, and so um, I mean the you know you know here's the thing I said to people who who don't support the campaign. You know, it, 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 think there's a bad idea. Um, uh, if you have good practice. If you have if you have powerful practice, I will follow your example and I will support your causes 100%. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to uh, work, if you don't want to work this campaign or promote this campaign, or if you even have negative things to say about this campaign, that's awesome. But let's let's see what we can work together on, you know. And yeah. I'm down for that. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole idea is voluntary association. So it's like if people don't want to voluntarily associate, that's totally fine. They don't we like we don't need to tear each other. We don't need to tear each other down for our projects. 
if they're not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I think that, you know, you know, honestly, um, even the even the, the seasoned veterans, activists that I've talked to, nobody's been hostile to this. They've been more like, well, I wouldn't use that tactic. Or they've been like, hell yeah, you know, like well, one of the two. You know, it's not, it's yeah. not you know, I mean, the people I've gotten the most flack from are not veteran activists. They're just people who have engaged in a lot of Facebook theory. <laughs> and uh, not a lot of real-world practice, yeah. to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I get you. I get you. Um, yeah, and I should stress I should stress more the fact that there is, a, I'm seeing a lot of this, like, really beautiful solidarity in the face of some, like, we're in, you know, we work under stressful conditions. So, like, that's, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've, ha- you've worked with lots of different kinds of groups and lots of different kinds of people, you know? I mean, and one of my, you know, and I, and I've, you know, one of my, whenever my AG group goes out, uh, they always give me a red bandana because I, like, and, like, I, I will talk to the media, I'll talk to libertarians who are, like, hostile to us, you know, but not necessarily going to fight us, you know, and not necessarily fascists, of course, you know, and I'll, like, you know, try to leverage their capability. I'm just kind of, I have ADHD, I guess, and I kind of, like, talk to, I'll talk to anybody, hey, what's up? And, uh, uh, you know, I'm just very, I just have a lot of energy. Um, so they, you know, and I, and I wonder off anyway, I'm just like, Hey, you know, like, uh, and, uh, so, um, so it's like, they're just like, Hey, you do this thing. Cause like, you're going to do that anyway. And, uh, and, uh, and, um, so, um, uh, you know, I have had a lot of opportunity to talk to people who don't necessarily agree with me. And I've, and I've had a lot of different, you know, I mean, I've seen, I have a, I have like a bit of a like a I don't know I feel like I, I feel like a lot of people are just like fooled and don't have the if they just there's like a piece missing and if they had that piece added or something if they just had that one piece of information if they had that one critique or if they could see it just this one way based on their like what they care about already then they could like then it would just be like a bridge over and I've seen it happen a lot of times now there's some people who it's just not in their class interest to care mm-hmm. um and those people were not going to win over probably anyway. And there's some people who really do hate people, and they hate people, and they're going to hate them because they want to hate people. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people who like have been socially isolated their whole life, and they're not they don't they don't have a lot of great uh, social adaptation. And then somebody comes to them and says they don't like you because you're supreme. And then they're like, oh, tell me more. Um, like you know, and then and those people they need a community bubble. They need a bridge, you yeah. know, because they have a community. They have, they have friends, they have this, that, and the other, and then maybe they've had, like, some shitty ideology or uh, toxic behavior or problematic ideas, and they've been vulnerable enough to say those to somebody, and then they just got, like, eaten alive, and so, you know, they go somewhere else that doesn't eat them alive, and, 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 and it coddles their toxicity, you know, and, um, and, and I think we need to create spaces in between. You know, like, like, we obviously want a safe space where people can go and not have to worry about their identity and their being questioned or their um, values being usurped or et cetera, et cetera. We also need that middle ground where people can come in who don't necessarily have exactly the right uh, ideology yet or, or don't have the right behavioral understanding, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Or people who are in movements who've been problematic, who can, you know, maybe they need to step back. Uh, like a restoration space, or restorative justice space, you know, yeah. uh, where people can can uh, regain their footing, if you will, you know. Well, um, I studied the Serbian Revolution, 
and Otpour. And how Otpour did it is because you do need, when you're in these sort of situations, the best defense and the best revolutionary praxis is just having everybody. You know what I mean? Like, just the entire community rising up together. But the yeah. entire community is full of different types of people and different problematic types of people and all sorts of things. And so what how, how Oddporn did it is they focused on the work entirely. That it wasn't, they didn't do anything about, they didn't talk about identity at all. They said, here's a project. If you want to work with us on this project, we don't care who you are. So, like, I think that focus on the praxis and on the work can be really helpful to sort of, like, smoothing over some of these issues, you know? Because it's, like, if we just don't, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's not about who you are. It's about the work that you're doing. And if you're doing good work, then we're happy to have you here, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, um, I, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that sounds super powerful, um. Uh, I don't know how I, I, I'm sure there's some caveats somebody can make that I would have, you know, that I would, you know, that, that I might be like, I, I might not see right now in my, in my mind, but, um, but I, it sounds good to me, you know? Um, and also the idea for me about focusing on practice and you're talking about patriarchy, like I've definitely dealt with some misogynistic bullshit in the left. Because we're not immune, like it's everywhere, you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's part of how our society is, but then when people, the problem with when people sort of like clamp onto this identity that they are, you know, uh, a woke leftist person, then they don't become accountable to their own internal problems when, you know what I mean? So, but so then if it refocuses on praxis, it's like, it's not, like, even though you're an anarchist, you can still have bad praxis and you can still have patriarchal praxis and still have racist praxis, you know what I mean? And then be able to attack or help challenge or change the praxis without it ending up in this like feudal, you know, where people are fighting each other. You know what I mean? When it's like we're just we're talking about how you're doing things, not who you are. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I guess that means, you know, in a certain way, um, well, you know, we're always trying to grow, you know, and like we're always trying to uh, identify outside and inside where, where the, that work needs to be done. And I guess that's like, I guess, where I feel like a restoration, uh, a place of restoration, you know, uh, because I've seen so much stuff that could have been like, if it's hard, mediation is super hard. Like sometimes mediation doesn't work out. Like yeah. sometimes mediation doesn't, and, and it can be like, it can actually, I've, seen, I've, I've actually seen times, I'm not trying to say people should mediate by any means, like by all means, everybody should be trying to mediate and engage in restorative justice as much as possible. But I've seen times where restorative justice has backfired, and people who just weren't, weren't were, uh, the unbiased mediator ended up being the target of, you know, one party or another, you know? Oh, damn. Um, yeah, so, so, it's, so it's, it's complicated, you know? I mean, I think that... Uh, that yeah, we need to focus on the work and doing the work and just and, and if people are engaged in the work, I agree with you. I think that's a that's a really powerful mentality to have. I wish that more of us had that mentality. I just think that when there's groups that don't necessarily have that mentality and they want to ever address every single issue that comes up and are ready to fight, like and they're it's understandable because a lot of people have been hurt like severely. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm I'm personally I've been I've been uh, sexually assaulted. Uh, I've been, you know, I've been uh, domestic, I've been abused, 
Um, but I uh, but I don't look at it like body parts. You know what I'm saying? I look at it like patriarchy, right? Yeah. Um, because uh, I've been sexually assaulted by a gay man. I've been uh, domestically abused by uh, by partners. You know, and uh, and uh, so I mean, obviously, there's the males are more conditioned to patriarchy, 100. percent uh, but, uh, you know, there's also, Bell Hooks talks about how, um, you know, uh, people who identify as women can also perpetuate patriarchy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just certain, there's a lot of, I think, I think the uh, trans movement has, like, and, and, and the gender, uh, the gender non-conforming movements have added to feminism that are, like, uh, added to the theory of feminism that are, like, really powerful and really, like, good to stop at, at, um, at, at showing where those hierarchies lie, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think the, I think the um, trans movement is really important. Um, and that's, a, that's an exciting... Um, you said that you, you consider yourself non-binary? Is that... Yeah, yes, yes. Um, I, I believe I'm only the first openly non-binary uh, senatorial candidate, but if not, at least in Tennessee, I do believe. Um, openly, of course. I mean, who knows? You know, obviously, um, there's probably people who, who have never have never had the language to or never had the um, or never had the ability to um, present or say you know or come out right. or you know etc. Right. What? So when does your when's your election? Uh, November two thousand eighteen. November two thousand eighteen. Okay, so you got a, you got a little wind up. You got some time to wind up here. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna be a little bit of time. I got January twenty sixth. I believe January, uh, I have 26 signatures to, um, is that the lot to do is turn in 26 signatures in January? Um, and, uh, I'll be, I've been going out and getting homeless people registered to vote, basically, people on the streets. Uh, mm-hmm. hanging out, uh, I, I used to go out, like, uh, eight day, eight, eight hours a day for, like, three months, uh, just talking to people, you know, like, we, uh, I'm, I'm pretty integrated into the community, um. And, uh, but of course, there's 5,000 displaced people, so it's not like, you know, but the, but the prominent activists within the, uh, of, the, of the people who are actually, you know, um, on the streets, um, either, either they themselves are activists and, you know, and have to be on the streets, or they themselves uh, were on the streets and they come back and uh, are activists in the community, you know. Um, and uh, uh, we, we know, which, uh, a lot of us know each other pretty well. Um, and uh, so, like... I've been I've, I have um I have a lot of stuff going on um but 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 um hopefully my my goal is uh, in January to start doing like a circuit around Tennessee because right now I'm like going to Arizona next uh, in a couple of weeks to, um to do the School of America's Watch uh, I'm going to D.C. in a couple more weeks I'm in Miami for Trump versus Punk Four uh, I'm gonna speak there um, this weekend I have an anti-fascist assembly that I'm organizing on the fourth. No, I'm sorry, on the third. Uh, on the fourth, we're just staying from that. You don't have any big plans for the fourth? I think I might. I think I might go buy some ice cream and watch the world burn. <laughs> I know, right? Like, be outside the window. There'll be like some guy in a Trump hat and some anti-fascist, but he's not really anti-fascist. Like it's like an all-white dress is anti-fascist. They'll be fighting each other for some reason. Uh. I know. I'm wondering. I wonder if they're trying to do some. If, if somebody's going to try and do some false flag thing. But they're all I pretty. Can, they're totally pretty. I know, but they're pretty incompetent. So like, I'm not super worried about it. But. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I'm uh, yeah, that's, all, that's what my friend was saying right before we got. Before we started talking, he was like, "I'm going to be inside eating popcorn while there's like 
alt-right fighting each other in various costumes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're so weird. They're so weird. They um, are. They are. I mean, I, I've heard some, oh, man, one time I said, I said um, you know, Irish people and Italian people used to not be considered white. Yeah. Um, and uh, and the guy, of all the responses he could have said, you know, because I was talking about gangs that they formed because they were, because the power dynamics and resource distribution, not ethnicity, that the, you know, it created the situation. And uh, literally, of all the things he could have said at that moment, he said, we got rid of the Irish problem. And I mean, like, several of his friends, like, looked at him like, what did what? you say? <laughs> like, yeah, like, wait, like, wait, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it's been an hour. Um, <laughs> and that's a pretty fun note to end on. <laughs> we got rid of the Irish problem. That's your, that's your, um, that's your Senate campaign quote. <laughs> When this God, gets when this gets picked up and taken out of context. <laughs> don't, don't get too drunk and forget to vote. That's be. Don't be too drunk and forget to vote. Oh my God! Well, on my um during the Obama campaign, I because I was um I was running the voter registration drive, and I did the voting. I did the um I picked up the God Jesus. What are they? Oh my God! I just had a huge brain fart. <sighs> Ballots. That's the one. <laughs> I was running around on election day picking up ballots because you could pick them up until all the way until eight o'clock in Oregon. So I'm still I was still running around picking up ballots while the results were coming in already from the East Coast. But I had gotten like super drunk. So I'm like running around the dorms at this college like crazy drunk picking up ballots. I'm not really you're not supposed to pick up ballots drunk, but I did deliver them all properly. It was fine. But I was like running into dorm rooms and being like, what's happening? And they're allowed to be like, this is what's happening. Obama just won, blah, blah, blah. It's like, woo! So, <laughs> sorry, talking about drunk, being drunk and voting. You can be drunk and vote. You can do both. Oh, you can wow. Well, don't be too drunk. <laughs> don't be too drunk. The appropriate level of drunkenness when you vote. Yeah. Now, I hope that like, the authorities don't hear this and all of a sudden like give the election to McCain in a retrospect. Mm. And then, like, now, I'm just so then is that is that a good note to end on? is there anything else you want to say while you're on the while you're on the interviewing interviewing uh i mean um you know uh, we'll have a website up soon uh Carico for sin 2018 on facebook you can also check out comrade Carico's anti-fast meme stash um nice that my friend my friend carter made for me um if you uh, if you'd like to uh, you know do an interview for How to Overthrow an Empire, uh, it's a show you can check out. Um, we're gonna have a couple next week. We're gonna have the uh, anti-fascist uh, uh, report back from Murfreesboro and Shelbyville nice. um, episode coming out. So nice. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This is great. And stay on the line. I'm gonna turn the I'm gonna end the episode, but uh, don't hang up yet. Hi. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.